Psalm 23, hear the word of the Lord, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As the grass withers and the flower fades, God's holy word endures forever. I was just thinking, when you came to verse 5 and it says there, my cup runs over. I had that incident this past week when I was pushing down on the lever of the coffee pot to fill my cup and someone started talking to me and I turned with my hand there and very soon a puddle uh, developed on the table. But a good imagery of God uh, overflowing in his goodness toward us. It's a very familiar psalm. I'm sure some of you have it memorized and some of you even have the tune that we're going to sing memorized. But this is a psalm that meets us in the life of David. It's not one where we understand exactly what he's going through, but it is, to be sure, a psalm that speaks to the trials and issues of life and how dependent we are upon Christ. Let me ask you, these are rhetorical. Have you ever been severely depressed by mounting trials in your life? Are you easily stressed when something goes differently than you have planned? Do you let fear motivate important decisions? Do you quickly and impulsively change important plans at the drop of the hat because something isn't going your way? I'm sure we can all raise our hand in affirmation. Yes. We've been there. We've done that. And you know, this is where this psalm really meets us. It is one of the most endearing, I mean, close to the heart psalms. It, it brings to us some of the most foundational truths of Christ upon which our faith is to rest. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that? And, and do you comprehend what it means to make that declaration? Do you grasp what it is to say, my hope is resting in the Lord Jesus Christ? And how can you say that with absolute certainty? When many would look and say, how can you know? And you know, our answer to that question is very simply the opening line of this psalm. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And people who uh, struggle in, in their hope and in their faith. and 
Much of that comes because they're struggling to affirm that truth. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus declared that. We heard from John 9. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And and in declaring Himself to be the good shepherd, as we heard from John 10, three times He speaks about how His, His shepherdly care and the goodness of His shepherdly care was accomplished. I gave my life for the sheep. There's limited atonement in case some of you are unaware of a Calvinistic principle of salvation. Christ gave his life for whom? I know we want to say the world, but even more specific, he makes it clear, I gave my life for my sheep. And he knows his sheep. And he is known by his own. Again, in John 10, three times he makes both of those declarations. As if to say, if you haven't got it once, twice, I will say it again so you understand. If you believe in me for your salvation, I, the Lord, am your shepherd. Peter brings that truth out in His letter, his first letter. And it's very interesting how it comes at the end of a chapter that calls us to live a life of submission to authority, even to governing authorities that are not good, and a submission to earthly masters, and etc., etc. And he points us to Christ, and he says, and if you think, I can't do that, my conscience won't allow me to do that, look to Christ and see the One who so willingly gave His life, who submitted Himself to the tyranny of injustice, So that he could bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That having died to sins, that, that he, through him, we might live for righteousness. Whose stripes have healed us. And then as he puts that declaration of the gospel out, this is what we believe. Concerning our salvation, he says this to Christians. 1 Peter 2.25 For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This idea of the Lord being your shepherd is one of the most key uh, metaphors that are used that is used in Scripture to speak to us. You read the Psalms. We heard it from our call to worship. Psalm one hundred, verse three: We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. He owns us, and it's not that He is this. A unrelational God who just stands in an overlording way that we are obliged to appease time and time again and realizing our appeasing of such a God is, is so incomplete we can never do it. He's not that kind of God. <laughs> he comes and He says, You're my people. You're the sheep of my pasture. And just in in relating that 
that metaphorical understanding of our relationship, he is saying, I have eternal care for your life. Isn't that wonderful? And this psalm brings us to that understanding. This psalm presents three divine indicatives. You'll see them there very clearly in verse 1 and in verse 4 and in verse 6. Three divine indicatives. Things that we can stand in. They come and meet us. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lie. I will fear no evil. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And do you stop and realize just how essential that, that, that divine indicative in which we stand is key to just about everything concerning our life? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and you can see it's going to be three points. I will fear no evil. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All because of Jesus. And as we go through them, I want you to ask yourself, can I affirm those realities in my life? Is this the testimony of my faith in Christ? And the first one, I shall not want. Verses 1 to 3 deal with that whole aspect of I shall not want because the Lord is my shepherd. I know often, you know, when it comes to the office of minister, pastor, or elder, we like to use this psalm to speak about our roles. We're not even going to go there because this psalm isn't about earthly men. It's about Christ. And it's all about the the Lord, Yahweh, the eternally self-existing, self-sufficient, omnipotent, omniscient, immense, unchanging, holy, and glorious Son of God who says to you, I am your shepherd. And our response of faith is, I shall not want. (laughs) Is that your response? Because that's how David responds to it. And that phrase, I shall not want, it means... I shall not lack. There is nothing in my life lacking. Do you believe that? Right now you look at your life and you start thinking about all your needs and all your wants. Can you say, even in the midst of that, I shall not lack. That is a statement of faith in the Lord. Because David is understanding something about the shepherdly care of Christ that we truly need to grasp in our own lives. He's not talking here about our physical needs. He's not talking about what you may have more of than something else or what you may have less than in respect of possessions or a home or a spouse or children or etc., etc., etc. It's not a statement about how much I have or about what I may be lacking in my estimation of needs. It's a statement about contentment. 
I know our ladies are doing that study on contentment. I think we all need to do that study often in our lives, don't we? I am content. You think about what Paul spoke about that in Philippians 4. Did you know that Philippians 4.13 is probably the second most quoted verse out of context? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And everybody applies that to such a variety of things. You know, I wish I could do all things like play the piano, etc., etc. Christ, give me strength. Trust me, he hasn't. And it's not because I lacked faith in him. Because that's not what that verse is talking about. Listen to what the verse is talking about. And it concludes with that statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know what it is to be lacking, to be abased, to be in a place where it just seems everything is against me. I know what it is to be abounding, to have plenty, to be comfortable, and to really look at my life and say, like the man in the parable, soul, you've done well for yourself. But in either situation, the struggle isn't about how much we have or how little we have. The struggle is contentment. Am I content in all my trials? Am I content when the Lord is prospering? And Paul says, I've learned that. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context of those words. Do you know where Paul got that from? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is about our life in Christ being met with the goodness of a God who will care and keep us in all circumstances. This is about our eternal needs. When he goes on to talk in verse 2 and verse 3 about what the shepherd does to ensure that contentment fills my soul. He leads me to green pastures and beside the still waters. You think about again the metaphor there. What are two things that sheep need to live? Food and water. What do you need physically to live? Food and water. But it's a metaphorical sense about what Christ does in His life to ensure that we will live forever in Him. You go back again to to John chapter 10 and you see what he says about uh, how in, in verse 11 he's the good shepherd. He gives his life for the sheep. And then down to verse 15, the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And verse 17, I lay down my life that I may take it again. And why does Christ do all of that? In John 10 you get down to verse 28 so he can say, And I give to my sheep eternal life. 
and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's our, that's our Lord. And even here as this psalm points to the Lord as our, as our shepherd, he is pointing to Christ who is life to us in all things. What did Jesus say in John 6? I am the bread of life. Feast on me. You will have eternal life. What did he say to the woman at the well? The water I give is living water. It will bring you life. And what we're being reminded here in this this psalm of the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We are being reminded that I have no life without Christ. Man, you can be one who has all of the bounty of this world in your back pocket and not have life. Ecclesiastes, you read that and you will see the vanity of those things. But you can be one who is without all of the bounty of this world, struggling to get through every month, making sure, trying to see that what. It begins the month, we'll see you too through the end of the month. And the struggle of life is very real and great for so many. And yet if you have Christ through it all, He is the one who will ensure you do not lack. He is the one who comes, and as He says there in verse 3, who restores your soul. That word restore, it means to return or to repair. Christ recovers your soul from death. And the point that's being made here, because I speculate, and it's speculation, I know, but David is writing this probably in a cave, fleeing for his life, uh, having to live in, in, in hiding away from Saul. And it says he realizes, the Lord's my shepherd. I'm missing family. I'm missing worship at the temple. I'm missing so many other things. But... I lack nothing because the Lord's my shepherd. And he's speaking here about what he he does for us even in the midst of our poverty. And no matter how destitute, how sinful or how straying or how rebellious we can be at times, the Lord is the one who's able to restore my life Breathe back into me the hope of eternal life. And why does he do this? I know I'm not touching on all the details here, but why does he do this? We'll see at the end of verse 3. It's for his name's sake. It's something just to stop and to realize, dear Christian, how Christ has bound the welfare of your life his name. That's how dear you are to him. Do you know this? Can you affirm this? Is contentment something that you struggle with? Is coveting a very real sin in your life where you can't even rejoice when someone 
prospers and you sit there thinking, why them? Why not me? Or you want what has not been given to you and it's, it's all this, I, I, could do, I could just do so much more for the Lord. I could give more to the Lord. I could do this. I could do that. If I only had. Do you think like that? That's a discontented soul that doesn't understand that I already have what I need in Christ from, from our God. That I need to learn contentment here. Because a soul like that will never be content, even with the best of gifts. Do you know this truth? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the the second point meets us there in verse 4. And you look here at verse 4, the second point. I will fear no evil. Now we're getting to the crunch of the matter. It's very interesting if your Bible uh, sort of separates this psalm. You will see verse 4 stands out as the very heart of this psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, if there was, if you thought contentment was a hard thing to acquire in your life, fear... And the removal of fear is even more difficult. But because the Lord is my shepherd, He's able to say this, I will fear no evil. Very interesting. In verse 4, when David talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, that phrase, shadow of death, is used some 20 times in the Old Testament. But get this. Ten of those times, 50% of those times, it is used in the book of Job. You want to talk about the valley of the shadow of death, look to Job and see the epitome of it, other than with Christ Himself. How in a very short time, His entire life was just drowned in evil. The evil day came and met him. And you wonder, how is it that such a man could get up, go over, lay out the ashes and put on sackcloth and sit down and say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're probably singing that Matt Redman song in your head right now, aren't you? Hard to own that truth though, isn't it? And yet he's saying here, because the Lord is my shepherd, we can say that. I fear no evil. And he's talking here, the shadow of death is the miseries and sufferings of sin and of death itself that we are faced with all the time. It is a real tragedy that we live in a generation where they are turning everyone's funerals into celebrations of life. Because it doesn't matter who it is, suddenly, they're just a wonderful saint. The shadow of death is to remind us that we live in a world of sin and rebellion against God, that we live in bodies of death, that we are faced with miseries and sufferings, and not one of us, no one, no matter how glorious their life may look to the human eye, No one escapes this. It's the valley of the shadow of death. 
And particularly as believers, we are keenly aware of this. John Calvin wrote, Believers, though we dwell safely under the protection of God, we are nonetheless exposed to and liable. That means it's before us. We need to know and expect that all the dangers and sufferings of life will fall upon us all. It's only a matter of measure. It's not about what if, but when. And and for most of us, we, we don't think on that. Do you know why this psalm is to be sung often? Because you will walk through that valley. How do you do it without fear? How can you be such a one who says, I do not walk in fear, but in the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind? The Christian doesn't fear. And it isn't because these Sufferings and trials aren't hard or painful or grievous. My, they are. I really, in my own heart, I have a great sympathy, especially for people who live with chronic pain and try not to make that the focus of their conversations with people when they engage with them. And somebody says, So, how are you doing? Can you imagine? And it isn't because you have a strength of will not to be depressed or overwhelmed. Job got depressed. God, why did you even let me be born? If this is what I had to face in my life, I would never have chosen to live. It's hard. And it isn't because you're saying, well, there's a dark, this is a dark cloud, but there's a silver lining coming. You don't know that. You don't. How is it that we can say, I will fear no evil? And he tells us, because God is with me. The Lord's my shepherd. Is that sufficient for you? When you think of the promise of Isaiah 41 verse 10. When Jesus comes and through the prophet, he says to Israel, fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you for this. I will help you. I will uphold you by my right hand. And David understands that through all that he's going through. He understands the only reason I'm able to keep on keeping on isn't because I'm calm. (laughs) Because the Lord is with me. And is holding me and strengthening me. And how is it that we have such a shepherd who is able to come and to say, Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. And it always comes back to the cross, dear friends. It always comes back to the cross. Because Jesus himself entered that shadow of death. And the reality of that shadow of death in your place. Jesus endured all the powers of evil and the height of grief and that separation from the Father. He endured temptation and suffering, persecution, betrayal, death, judgment. 
He endured it all. That we can say with all confidence, there is nothing in my life that I am experiencing that I can look to God and say, you don't know what it's like. And He is able to say to you, oh yes I do. You see, this is where faith comes in to say, Lord, you're my shepherd. I can't endure this. Be my strength. And Christ is able to be your strength because He says to us, in this world you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. You know the verse? I have overcome the world. He's overcome it. He's overcome that sting of death for us. My dear friends, if any of you sit here as Christians and think you deserve a better life, then you've missed the point of God's judgment. That's an unbeliever who scorns God's justice against our sinfulness. No, as a Christian, you understand the miseries of this life, the sinfulness that we face in this world, the evil that surrounds us, and sometimes the sin that rises up out of my heart and offends God. What, what does this world deserve in all its... We deserve death and separation from God. To think we deserve anything less than that is offensive. Jesus comes and he says to you, I am your shepherd. I have overcome this world. Your life is in my hands. I am directing your life with my rod and my staff. I have ordered and ordained the providences that are unfolding before you. All of those things are under my authority. I have overcome the end of your judgment so that you can walk even through all of these troubles and to know that it isn't that you are being judged by God, but that you are being loved by God into eternity. And every one of these billows that roll over you, every deep water you walk through, every shadow of death you experience, Christ has set eternal life before you so that you can say, I will not fear this. Because the Lord is my shepherd. It's like the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. When through the deep waters I call you to go, Psalm 42, your billows, your waves, they have rolled over me, God. When through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with you, your troubles to bless, to sanctify to you your deepest distress. That's hard, isn't it? He's my shepherd. I will not fear. My friends, this is where you need to learn to rest in that truth. The Lord is my shepherd. Pity. Pity the people who are without Christ. Because they go through this and they can't say, God, help me. But we can say, shepherd, sustain me. And last, and very quickly, 
Our time does go on here. Verses 5 and 6. The last divine indicative. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And there's two things that these verses just point us to. Is that no matter how dire our circumstances may be, no matter how troubling our life can become, understand what Christ does for you in his grace in verse 5. He has overflowing goodness for you. It doesn't come from the things of this world. Although those blessings can be a joy. I don't want to dissuade the fact that we can't enjoy things in this world. But he says, my grace that will sustain you will be overflowing. I've got a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Your enemies, those who are outside of God's kingdom, will look at you and say, how is it that you can go through this so peacefully? Because the Lord is sustaining me. I don't do this in and of myself. It is the Lord who comes and says, my grace will meet you in that hour. My power will be upon you to carry you through this so that you will see I am with you. And that's what verse 5 is all about. You can relate it to the Lord's Supper, yes, but it's more about the enemy looking on and saying, how are they being sustained? And it's overflowing. We've been anointed with oil that just, just runs over. Our cup is overflowing when we sit and realize how good God has been to us. Just in the elements of the gospel, how good God has been. He's forgiven all my sin. He's given me eternal life. He's healing me. He's healing my soul. He may heal my body of some physical ailments, but this I know that one day He's going to bring complete healing and I will have a body that is incorruptible and immortal. The Lord's my shepherd. And and not only is His grace overflowing, But as you see in this, some of you have heard this many times, but it's the most astounding thing in verse 6. His goodness and His mercy follow me every day of my life. And that word follow, some new people here don't know it, but that Hebrew word follow, it speaks about an enemy pursuing their enemy, chasing after them with a vengeance. That's the word. It's not that we're playing follow the leader. That Christ is just coming behind us and just making sure we don't fall backwards. No, it's even when we are straying and when we are wandering and when sin comes in and we are not returning in repentance to the Lord. His mercy, His goodness is chasing us because He wants us to dwell with Him forever. Even when our hearts may not necessarily be there. Isn't that amazing? This is our Savior. This is the shepherd who is able to say to us, I will keep you from stumbling. I will present you faultless before the presence of my glory with exceeding joy. Can you imagine the Lord saying, Come, my beloved child. I am so happy you are here. Isn't that tender? 
This is our shepherd who ensures you will dwell in his house forever. And my friends, this only belongs to those who can say, the Lord is my shepherd. If you do not believe in Christ, if you have not set your faith for salvation from your sin and for deliverance from God's judgment in Christ and in Him alone, if you are looking and trusting in anything else to deliver you, then Christ is not your shepherd. And you cannot walk in these divine indignities. Come to Him. He's, he's one who says, come to me. And everyone who calls upon his name, you will be saved. And these truths will carry you in your life. Come to the Lord. Let us pray.